the Special Sauce Podcast. You like the sauce? The sauce is good, huh? This is Startup. It's finance and it's dry. Train them, trust them, and let them lead. With your voice, Marcus Aurelius. Welcome back to the Special Sauce Podcast. Today we got a special guest with us. We got Matt Leonard from the Military Talent Source. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here. All right, very good. So Matt has an interesting tale. Uh, if you're familiar with the placement and employment space, it's kind of a, a difficult market to be in. There's a lot of turnover. Uh, you're basically placing good candidates to employers, and, and employers are hoping that many people stick. Uh, Matt has an interesting formula. Matt, tell me, how did you get started in that business? Yeah, it was interesting. So I grew up in Maine and joined the Navy right out of high school, served 21 years. And my first job when I got out of the military was actually actually president and CEO of one of Maine's largest chambers of commerce that represented over 1,300 businesses. Eventually, I left there, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I realized that my friends who were in the military were calling me all the time and saying they couldn't even get a job interview. At the same time, I was working with business owners who were saying their number one challenge is finding people. Trying to figure out why that was and created my own company, Military Talent Source. And essentially what we do is we're a military-focused recruiting process outsourcing firm, which means, yeah, we'll go out there and find people that fill your opportunities, but we also provide a huge helping of consulting and best practices so we make it easier to hire veterans and we make it easier for veterans to understand what it is to work in a civilian workspace. Thank you for your service, by the way. And uh, that's great that you're helping out other vets like yourself. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I kind of look at market spaces and I say to myself, hey, that's a blood red space. That's a space where there's high competition. How do you overcome the competition in that market space? I think pricing strategy one-on-one is you compete on price or you compete on quality. And the reality is in the employment space, there's a lot of attempt to hire firms. There's a lot of people out there finding people. But the other side of the equation when you're hiring is retention. So if you're hiring just to have somebody quit on you three months later, six months later, you're just throwing good money after bad. So we're focused on high-quality individuals who are getting out of the military that are looking for their next career. So when companies are recognize that and that's what they're interested in, that's where we shine. If a company only cares about bringing somebody on a minimum wage and turning them over quickly and they really don't care about their workforce, then we're probably not going to be a fit for them. So we evaluate our potential clients as, as much as they probably evaluate us. So do you make money off of the placements you get? Is that is that how it works? Like uh, when you place people, you get paid a, a percentage or how does that work? When we started the company, I intentionally wanted to develop a relationship-based company. So as a recruiting process outsourcing firm or what's known as an RPO, is we get a flat monthly fee. So we're essentially more consultant than headhunter. So we'll look at the scope of the company and what, what they're looking to achieve. And that derives a monthly service fee that we charge the company. So we have no more incentive to hire a CEO than we do a CDL driver. Well, wow. It provides a lot of equality and it ties us together because we don't want churn. We want you to hire an employee that you're going to have for a career, not 
just for a minimum guarantee period so we get our full uh, transactional fee. You're likely, what, developing training programs and figuring out ways to bring this skill level up. How about soft skills? Is that a piece of it, too? People talk soft skills, but the other side of the coin is most people aren't familiar with veterans. So when you have a team like mine working with them, it, it helps both sides of that relationship understand each other. Why Why is the veteran, you know, appear to be so high-strung at the moment? If they're still active duty, they're going to have a sense of urgency. They're going to be different than most civilians. I mean, in today's world, we have civilians showing up as if they don't even care to be there. <laughs> yeah. You know, their attire is right, their mannerisms aren't right. So in that case, you know, you'll have employers say, well, these millennials or this workforce doesn't have what I'm looking for. But the other side of the coin is, is the training. People who served in the military are serving in the military, not in the industry. So what we did in Maine is we just actually completed a welding course where in six weeks we had somebody AWS certified in welding and guaranteed job interviews as a major employer up here. Wow. We also work to overcome those training gaps, those skills gaps to get people to work. And what, what that's resulted in is employers being very, very happy because those who truly want the soft skills, the attention to detail, showing up time on time, doing what they're told, being dependable. Once we provide that intensive training, you got more or less the perfect so there's a lot of federal programs, there's a lot of state programs out there available to employers. I found that having been in a former employer in two different times with my own enterprises, I just had no way of telling how to get credits for hiring employees. A lot of employers are not clear, and I, I know I wasn't when I was an employer. I, I never really tapped into that. How is that managed and how does that happen, getting like tax credits and tax breaks and incentives? Yeah, I have somebody on staff Awesome. You uh, you know, we talk about startup, we talk about finance and drive. And your startup, did you write a check to start this business or did someone else write a check? Yeah, I bootstrapped it essentially. It was uh, it was a trying time. I was actually going through the divorce, if you can believe it. So you talk finances and financial stress. I, I got divorced as I was starting the company, but you know, fortunate it was fortunate to have a great career and made some smart decisions along the way. So I, I had the uh, capital to kind of get started and uh, been grinding ever since. Nice. So you invested it wisely in yourself rather than cocaine and strippers, if I understand you correctly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. You could have gone the other way. Glad you went to the light, my friend. That's the way to go. So uh, let's look at the other part. So we talk about drive. Were there times where you felt kicked in the gut and you wanted to give up. I mean, what, what kept you going on this track? Yeah, I mean, that's the life of an entrepreneur and a small business owner. Every day 
found that out. Every day has its ups and downs. Every week, every month, you got to be committed. You got to believe in yourself. You got to grind and never get too high and never get too low. You know, you stay the course. If you think you got a good model, then go with that, and then you're going to learn that you got to tweak it. And there's going to be haters out there. You want to see you fail. I mean, I'm not just talking about competition. I'm talking about people who just be in and around you who don't want to see you succeed. And there are going to be people that you think should be your client that you just can't get. And then on the other side of the coin, there are people that you never thought would be looking to hire you that uh, tend not to be great relationships. So don't be too stuck. You know, it's not the plan. It's about planning. So as long as you do your due diligence, and be ready to be flexible, you got to stick to it. I help a lot of people with business plans. And uh, Guy Kawasaki, in one of his books, he said something interesting. He said, no business plan ever survives the first customer. Yeah, in the military, they say, you know, no plan ever survives its first contact. If you've ever been in a firefight, you'll know that that's true. That no matter what you game plan for, as soon as the bullets start flying, you're improvising. You know, one of my military friends gave me a book a long time ago called Small Unit Leadership by uh, Maloney. I, I love that. I still reference some of the stuff in there. Have you noticed in small groups that you're able to function a bit better? I mean, when, when you get a little bigger, like now you probably have a few more people than when you started. Have you noticed that there's still a consistency and what do you attribute that to? Yeah, as a leader, you got to keep people focused on the mission. You know, as you add people and as you add revenue, there's always the threat of scope creep. So you got to stay true to what, what it is you do as a company because other people are going to attempt you to do other things. But the other thing that happens when you start adding people to your team is as a CEO, as an owner, you spend more time managing people and less of what it was you got started selling in the first place. I think that's another big surprise for a lot of owners is eventually you're going to remove yourself from what it is your company actually does and you're going to be managing the people that do that on your behalf. This is why, like, the Bill Belichick thing works, right? Do your job. Come hell and high water, you know. That's what we're going to measure you on. Get yeah, high right people, which is what, what we preach as a company. And what I do internally is I, I look for the right person, not not be too focused on rules and uh, employee handbooks. You know, sales organizations have this fixation on bringing in people that have existing relationships that they can leverage. Do you think that that is more important in your growth phase than bringing in someone that you just like and trust that you can train from the beginning. Like, is that a mistake that sales organizations make? I think so. I, I see a lot of senior officers and senior enlisted who get out of the military, they get sucked up by consultants and they're getting paid for their existing relationships because they're coming right out of the military. But the reality is that has an expiration date. And if they're not a people person and they're not a person that naturally builds networks, the people that they know in those decisions, places, are going to leave. And then you got an employee that doesn't have what you're paying them for, and it results in them probably getting invited to leave, i.e. fired. Then what do you have? So yeah, I think you look for good people. You look yeah. for good people who you can trust and good things happen. I used to say that, you know, when I hire um, people to work in the office, I at first I hired industry ret- retreads, which is a big mistake. Because somebody likely moved on from them for a reason you'll find out six months down the road. And then what I started doing was going to restaurants in the area where my office was 
and just finding the friendliest person who's in school for finance or business and then bringing them in a few days a week and showing them the business. And invariably, we were in a very professional office space where there were doctors, lawyers. We had people that would wander into our office by mistake and they'd book appointments because the staff was so friendly. You know, we, we landed some clients just because we had friendly staff and people don't really account for that. What's your experience with taking a recommendation from somebody else as far as an employee? Has that ever worked out for you? I got five full-time employees right now, and they're all people that I knew. Um, yeah. I got, you know, I always tell people nobody cares more about you than you. And with my company, my, you know, sweat equity invested as well as money straight out of my wallet, uh, I have an invested interest. So all of my hires are people that I knew. Um, but the great thing is, is they had all kind of indicated, you know, that they, they were interested in coming and working with me. And they all came from an existing job. It wasn't, you know, someone that needed a job, which is a great situation to be in. They were people who believed in what we did as a company, believed in our culture, and wanted to come on board which is a great feeling. Nice, nice. Now, you mentioned to me in passing that you were in D.C. What's the climate like in D.C. for your business? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think everybody loves to talk about veterans, whether whether they're sincere in that or not. But I learned uh, that the First Lady, you know, her one of our biggest initiatives is actually getting employers to sit around the table and figure out how they could provide uh, employer-driven and industry-led training to a workforce and not rely on the education uh, community as much. And, and I think an exa- excellent example of that is going back to what I talked about earlier is we created a six-week welding training course where somebody walks off the street has never welded before. Six weeks later, they got multiple welding certifications. The fastest welding program available in Maine is 14 months. So, I mean, there you go. I mean, Government and education doesn't move at the speed of business. No. Business moves as fast as it needs to move in order to create competitive advantages. Until business takes the reins of that, you know, that will really be satisfying. I have a very low opinion of higher education. I, I kind of believe YouTube is the best university in the world. I, You know, at the end of the day, I, there's Olympic-trained athletes that, you know, are in countries where they don't have a training program that have actually meddled from training off of YouTube videos. So, I mean, it's like, you know, anything you want nowadays is on the Internet somewhere if you search hard enough. You know, I, I think the time is, is shifted. I, I think we're going back to an apprenticeship phase where people are learning by viewing how it's done and, and learning from people who can do it. Uh, that's great that you created a six-week program like that. What else do you have? What What else do you foresee um, being a possibility as far as uh, training and improvement uh, in the way you recruit people? I get excited partnering with new companies because anything is possible. You mentioned it before. There's so many government programs out there. It's impossible for companies to understand them, nor do they have the time or, or the resources to stay on top of them. And we do that for them. So it's been really great. You know, we've leveraged, you know, grants and train dollars to send people off the street to commercial driving schools, you know. So company, everybody, you hear it all the time. People are dying for CDL drivers. Well, you can you can be an amateur, in my opinion, and compete for that select pool of individuals. And like you said, if, if a CDL driver is out of a job, they probably let them go for a reason. Or you can look for high-quality people and spend a couple of weeks training them to get their CDL and actually add to that talent pool. Nice. So we do that in commercial driving, 
We do that in the HVAC industry. We do that for welding. Um, we did a little bit of it with uh, aviation, airframe and power plant licenses. So I think whatever the company, if there's a skill set that you need, let's. Fo- I would tell them, let's focus on getting the right person. And once you identify them, then we'll fill that skills gap in. Because you can train proficiency, but you can't train character. You can't train drive. You can't, it, nope. you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that you need that are more important in the employee than, than the ability to, to know how to turn a wrench. You know, the theme of our show is, what is your special sauce? If you had to tell us what the special sauce is to being successful in business, what is that to you, Matt Leonard? I would say nobody cares more about you than you. So you got to really believe in yourself. If you understand that, then you can keep your head up at the end of the day because there's going to be some rough days. So surround yourself with the best people that you can, but understand that. Then sometimes they'll let you down. Believe in yourself and keep pushing. Maverick self-reliance, my friend. I love it. I love this guy. You know, uh, thanks again, Matt, for uh, coming on. And uh, I wish you luck. I I happen to catch a glance that uh, you're throwing your hat in the ring somewhat, huh? Yeah, running for city council. Can't can't change things from the outside. You got to change well, I wish you luck, my friend. I, I hope the voters uh, up there in uh, Auburn, Lewiston, further vote your way because you're a great uh, individual, a great American, and uh, thanks for being on our show. All right, appreciate the invite. Thanks, Matt. Talk to you soon. We just got done our last interview with uh, Matt Leonard of uh, Military Talent Source. I hope you enjoyed it. The one takeaway, you know, when we asked somebody what their special sauce is, he said you just really have to believe in yourself. It sounds very cliche, but it's not. Uh, I'll tell you, one of our biggest things is startup, right? In the beginning, you have all these haters, you know, people that are doubting you. And some people generally want you to fail. You know, it's it's uh, it's more interesting to see failures than it is successes because then successes make other people feel bad. You got to be that rare type of individual. You know, I believe in visualization. You know, people put these storyboards together, these vision boards. And you know, when you do that kind of thing, it does help to mentally reinforce who you are. I like to visualize a good concert pianist, right? A good concert pianist doesn't face the audience. They face the wall. Why? Because the reaction from one person that's out of place will throw you off. So um, negativity, negative people, get them out of your life. They're not worth two cents. My special sauce for this episode is anybody that literally tells you you can't do it, you say a futida. And that's another Italian saying where you put the, the two fingers under your chin and you, you swipe out at them and say a futida. So that's, that's the special sauce for today. Thank you for listening and thank you to our special guest, Matt Leonard from Military Talent Source. Don't forget to go to SpecialSaucePodcast.com for more resources on building your special sauce. You like the sauce? The sauce is good, huh?